0: Hey, welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Cherry Strange, your host. What is different about season four and probably here on out is that the content is divided into themes. Our first theme for 2021 was about Desiring God, appropriately named She Yearns, as that is the name of our website. We took a deep dive into the very essence of what it means to desire God or to yearn for him as a believer and what to do if you don't these next weeks we're going to pivot in our focus to the actual words of jesus what did jesus teach why do we need to know and what impact should it have on our lives day to day to provide you with the opportunity to go beyond the sessions on these topics new for 2021 we're also offering free resources for you to download You'll be able to access a 30-day Bible reading plan that's going to be undated for your personal study. And in addition, there's going to be a 30-day scripture writing guide that's going to accompany that reading plan with some journal pages. And these are going to be 8.5 by 11, very easy to print, very easy to download, very easy to stick in a three-ring binder that you probably already have somewhere on a shelf. We began offering this same type of resource for the first time in the last theme, where lots of people took advantage by downloading it so much so i wanted to continue to make something similar available now because it seemed to be helpful at the end of the broadcast i'm going to remind you how to get your personal copies where you can download it for yourself or you can tell somebody else about it as you may know my husband and i have a large family it came to be large through the traditional way (laughs) As well as adoption, we have biological children and children who are adopted into the family. The last adoption was a doozy. It included a sibling set of four. When we brought home these children from their country of origin, they had spent the first years of life in a regular two-parent home with normal conditions, at least normal for their area, no running water, Uh, one room hut, no shoes, probably one set of clothes, where life was really about survival first and then maybe education and religion. That was until the death of both of their parents. They had walked to church as a family all of their lives. So continuing in that religious habit in a new environment with a new family in a different way was not really... That revolutionary that wasn't really that difficult for us to continue with them but what we recognized early on as their language developed you see they were they deviated on some practices and beliefs from the Bible early on we set in motion a time every night to be reading not from a children's storybook we ditched all that stuff but only from the Bible what we needed to communicate in our words and our actions and our daily lives was that when it comes to truth or instruction and how to live life, the Bible is our resource. And this holds true for you and I today. We need to focus on what should shape our lives. And an excellent place to begin is with the life and the words and the work of Jesus. Our focal point for this present series revolves around truths Jesus taught. It's only appropriate to begin with what Jesus considered important Jesus has been questioned by a group of scholars who did not believe in life after death. Matthew tells of a time Jesus answered their questions in such a way they have no answer. He silences them in truth. And this is where we pick up in Matthew 22. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, They gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And that's chapter 22 verses 34 through 38. Luke records him adding strength to exactly how we're to love God. He adds that fourth descriptor. And behold, the lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. That's in Luke 10. Some take the words of Jesus and the original rendering of the commandment from Deuteronomy and lump it all together to mean all. <laughs> we are to love God with all our being everything we are he wants every aspect no matter how you shake the wording it still means all right and there's nothing wrong with that interpretation but what if Jesus really means what he says what if there are different ways to love God reflected in this language what if loving God with all your heart is not exactly the same as loving him with your entire mind suppose you can love God with all your soul just as we are commanded. I mean, might it look different to love God with every ounce of strength you possess? I began to wonder if we've left some things on the table because we made assumptions that weren't there. Suppose we've misunderstood the greatest commandment. These are questions that reverberated in my mind for about a decade. After finally getting it on paper and turning my thoughts into something someone else could utilize, the editor interested in the work I submitted died. It all went back on my shelf. But a couple of years after that, I was compelled by some prayer time to get my thoughts back together, rework it, and try again. So I resubmitted it. Long story short, that labor of love literally became part of a Bible study series with AMG Publishers called "Live Principles for Living Out the Greatest Commandment. It's an eight-week study that delves into just this. What if Jesus really meant what he said? Suppose we can love him with our heart but it's different than loving him with our mind and maybe loving God with all our soul is different still and loving him with all of our strength and the call here is to love God in all these different ways that should look different played out in regular life how do we know if this is true in a reliable assessment well you look in the Bible if there are examples of these and instruction leading us in this direction then it's pretty good indication Jesus meant what he said spoiler alert Jesus meant what he said. (laughs) So that's how the book is broken down. Loving God with all your heart, then all your mind, then your strength, and then finally with all your soul. And it's super cute, which I had nothing to do with. That was on the publisher end. And I'll tell you more about it as well as other resources that can go alongside it and how you can get started as we finish. It's very much a deep dive. Well worth it because it's a game changer. When you look at the greatest commandment, you'll never see it the same. But you and I, we don't have eight weeks. And that's how long the study is. We've got about 20 minutes. We literally don't have time to break it down all that well. So what I want to do today is concentrate on how you and I can begin to increase our love for God in our everyday lives. So here's what I want to do. Give you seven ways to fall in love with God. Simply that. Number one is get to know God. First John 4, 7 says this. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He knows God. This is old school. What we want to do here is spend time with Him regularly. Put it on your schedule. Pick a place. Get in a groove. Don't let other things get in your way. When other things get in the way... Uh, It gets pushed to the end of my day, or if at all. And that's often what happens if I happen to miss it. Concentrate on getting to know God and not so much what He can do for you, but really focus on getting to know Him. The best way to come to know Him, His character, who He is, how He is different from us, And what sets him apart from all others is to read your Bible. There is so much we are incapable of, limited in our ability to comprehend, to believe, to perceive, to see what is real to move beyond our hurts and our difficulties. We forget that we are capable of knowing God as much as He is willing to reveal to us. We do not need to stand or remain so far off. He wants to be known by you. Intimacy grows with time and attention. So make sure the first thing that you do is to get to know God, that's number one. Number two is to pray often. Closely connected to time spent reading your Bible is to dedicate yourself to prayer. Again, it begins with a plan. Find a time and a place. Do it regularly. I would keep a record in some sort of journal or paper, whatever you want to do. Personally, I use an app called Echo for my official prayer time of the day. This is new in the last two or three years. Before that, I used to journal all the time. Otherwise, also, you're going to want to make a habit of making him your go-to during the day. So you're going to have a set time where you concentrate and that's all you do is pray but also during the day it's God you turn to instead of social media or the friend you've got on speed dial that's what you want to do the word says to pray without ceasing and that's the idea that you're always in an attitude of prayer that's your go-to the third one is to become sin sensitive Psalm 38:18 says I confess my iniquity I am sorry for my sin Acts 3:19 says repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come from the Lord and then 2 Corinthians 7:19 sort of takes it further for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret whereas worldly grief produces death falling in love with God means that we find sin less and less attractive. What never bothered us before hurts. We become sorry when we know we failed. It's not simply a feeling of guilt because we got caught or because we know it was wrong, but a deep sensation of wanting to be free of the whole matter. To walk away for good. To be different. Not solely for yourself. Remember David, the man who possesses a heart after God, cries to God and about Psalm 51 in what we would consider gross sin, I mean adultery and murder. That's that's the combo he's been accused of and, and caught in. And he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. Well, not exactly. I mean, he took advantage of a woman who was not his wife and then killed her husband who was part of his bodyguard. What a jerk. The point is the relationship between himself and God was so deep, so intricate, immensely important to him that he recognized the graveness of his error that he deserved nothing short of death for what he had done. So that sin cut him to the quick. Well, then, yes... Yes, it was an offense against God. The offense was absolutely toward Him. Sin is a big deal where it wasn't before, as it should be when you and I are wanting to fall more and more in love with God. That's number three. You want to become sin-sensitive. Number four is to desire Him. It shouldn't be new to us if you've been in our series at all. Psalm 44, two says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God. And Isaiah 26, 8 says, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. We've run the gamut on this topic, I'm aware. But it must be included in this list of ways fall in love with God. You cannot grow. If there is no desire, but you cannot desire if God does not give it to you to begin with. But no worries, because He alone enables you to desire Him. Well, if that was clear as mud, I did it correctly. (laughs) So you have been listening. Basically, for our purposes today, the fourth way to fall in love with God requires divine intervention and nothing short of it. We can't desire Him on our own, but He alone can enable us to do what we cannot do on our own. So we wait patiently for God to give us what we need to desire more of Him, to enable us to fall more in love with Him. Number five, by action. That is how we want to fall in love with Him, by action. This is going to be familiar. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to go 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. This is not rocket science, people. We can recognize love by What it does, right? Illustrated in these verses and in all relationships since the beginning of time, love does. Or frankly, love refrains from doing, depending on the case. We can see it played out in the relationship between Cain and Abel, Abraham and Isaac, Joseph and his brothers, Moses and the Israelites, Jesus, especially towards his disciples, and all humanity. I see it in every time my honey shows up with a 79-cent soda or my favorite coffee It's difficult to hide because it's most often an action. Most assuredly, love does. In fact, the co-founder of Desiring God, John Bloom writes, God made us to wear love on our sleeves. He wired us to serve what we treasure. If you think deeply about those verses we find so challenging in 1 Corinthians in regard to love, it's not because they are complicated, but because they require our doing or our not doing. The same holds true as we pursue a love for God our actions are going to reflect what we treasure but as you know we can aim our actions and that's what we want to do here to fall in love with God we want to begin loving him in action not only as a high idea or just with our words we want to actually show by our actions our love for him the best way to do this is number six, putting away our love for other things. Matthew 6 24 says, No one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. First John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, if you had any questions about it, there it is. I find this to be a tall order of prayer. It's a constant battle of the will and the mind and the heart. Everything within us that is human yearns for what is not God, what is other than Him. Here, the Bible clears the fog. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, what do we do? If a smidgen of love for the world does indeed exist, we seek forgiveness, we admit that we're failing in this area, we ask for clarity, we call on the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to overcome and the Lord promises that he hears us and he answers our prayer so that we can wipe out that desire clear out those hidden Oreos per se that are behind the rice cakes and wheat germ that we're supposed to be eating get it out in the open confess it and pray to be different ask God for the power to love him above all ask him for a love that exceeds what the world has to offer to show you how the world pales in comparison to who he is and what he offers you instead number seven you want to keep His commandments. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And Second John 1, 6 says, And this is love, that we walk according to His commands. This is the command, just as you have heard it from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Too often we look at this kind of task as it's from a taskmaster, <laughs> but here is something I've learned. I, It's sort of a teaser from the book I introduced earlier, Life Principles for Living Out the Greatest Commandment, that I wrote. The greatest commandment, falling in love with God and demonstrating that love like this, by doing what He requires, is more about responding to all He's done for you and for me. It's not meeting the demands of an overreaching egocentric deity, but a response to a God who loved you when you could not love Him. Showing you what to do and how to do it tenderly, compassionately, and then giving you all that you need to actually do it. Knowing that makes it much easier to follow in obedience so that your love for Him will be marked by doing what He asks it's for your best interest. It's, today I've laid out seven ways in a nutshell we can fall in love with God, but there is so much more. To this particular truth that Jesus taught and I would love for you to experience it further now the book that I spoke to you about is meaty it's not your half a glance work where it's all done for you that you barely need to participate sort of book that would never do for something like the greatest commandment now would it no but it does lead a person to really get this and understand what Jesus is communicating here like never before, but more than that, it helps you live it out. Thus the name, living out the greatest commandment. If I had not written it, I would have wished I had. There's nothing more foundational than understanding and putting into practice the biggie, the first and the greatest commandment, and it's something I'm passionate about. Because I struggle with self-promotion you haven't heard anything about it for three years (laughs) nothing not a single announcement or a byline But this is so important and I'm I'm done being silent about it because it's for your good I want you to get it down in the marrow of your bones right now you can access the videos online for a ridiculously low price I think you can get them all for like $17 or something That's six additional lessons you can download. I've also written a leader and participant guide with discussion questions, and there is the option of painting a canvas with instructions as you work through the eight weeks. It's really fun. Those resources will be available if you purchase the online videos. The book can be purchased from any online retailer like Amazon or Christian Book Distributors or from our website. There are also exclusive resources available only at the website, like uh, an additional journal that goes along with it. So I hope you'll check it out. Uh, While you're there, be sure to look for the new free resources for this series, Truths Jesus Taught. You might give that 24 hours. I'm not sure if they're totally uh, uploaded yet. If you're already a subscriber, you're going to be able to access those resources on the Facebook page. If you'll go directly to that, you won't have to sign up for anything. Next week, we're going to continue with another truth Jesus taught. Until then, know that it is my pleasure and my joy to be with you. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to you being here next week on the Stirring Faith Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week, and I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier. Please remember to rate, review, and share the podcast. You may never know the difference that you can make by just making a recommendation and sharing a resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify into your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember... There is more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheearns.com where you're going to find more reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Sherry Strange, and it is always a pleasure to meet you here.